Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 610 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever in coming up on the show. We've got loads of great music for you. We've got the brand new single from Right Said Fred. Pamela Sue Mann will be joining us with her latest song too, live and direct from New York. We will also be hearing from Jerome Arab about his work and some fantastic musical enterprises that he has going on. And whilst we're talking about musical enterprises, the Universal Ends have got the greatest show. We're having an after with Max, Amy and Emma all about that one and finding out what's going on with their work. Plus, we're having an after with Rupi Lal about the Cucumber Writers and all the other things that he gets up to, which is absolutely loads of stuff. Plus, we'll find out what LGBT plus Sparkle are talking about this week as they go into the world of adoption. That's all coming up on episode 610. Your Inner Light is Love is the fantastic new single from Right Said Fred. I'm joined now by the Fair Brass Brothers to tell me more. Hello, boys. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you both well. Yeah, we're fine, actually. We're good. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not That's yeah. the way to do it. Right, so we've got a brand new single out there. This comes after a long line of hit after hit after hit. I think with compilations, you're on more than 10 albums now. I mean, you just keep producing music and your fans are loving it, aren't they? Well, I hope so, yes. Yeah, we just we we can't stop. We've <laughs> <laughs> got nothing else to do. <laughs> got nothing else to do. <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, we just... Um, I think we, when we're writing, we enjoy it, and we and we like what we're writing. Then we just we we we, we record it and release it. And sometimes we we're lucky and it's very successful. And other times we're not lucky and it's it's stiffs. You just yeah. but that doesn't really. I don't know. It's just what we do, really. But there yeah. are people out there with a whole back catalogue. We know that. And I think if we go back to when you really first burst onto the scene and we learned about you with uh, I'm Too Sexy. I mean. That song has probably caused, I mean, we're talking, we're going back, what, 30 years now, aren't we? Yeah, and, 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 this July. Yeah, yeah, and that means you have probably been responsible for at least some of the 28 and 29 year olds running around this planet because without it, their parents would never have got together. <laughs> that is true. possibly true, yes. yes. <laughs> Fortunately, we're not liable for their school fees <laughs> yes. or anything else. When it comes down to your inspiration these days, I mean, it's a very gospel-built track that we've got out there now and yes. a fantastic look and sound to it. We've always been big fans of the Primal Scream track, Come Together, mm -hmm. and uh, Oh Happy Day, which I know is a bit sort of corny now to mention that, but it's still a great great track mm, and good. and yeah it's a feel good track and we uh, the song for us has an evangelical uh, uh, undertones to it so we, we went to that gospel thing a girl we work with quite regularly um, Kat Deal she's a vocal arranger and she works with the gospel undertones so we got her involved and that's why we went for that we wanted that evangelical sort of uh positive, um, you know, hands in the moments. We just yeah. hands in the air moment. Yeah, yeah given, given the situation that, <clears throat> that everybody's, you know, endured for the last 12 months or so. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, this one, the track we did before this was called um, We're All Criminals, and that was quite a dark thing because we just, we were holding a mirror up to what we thought the, the UK was walking into and the way it was. For, it wasn't a, a protest song. People call it a protest song. It wasn't. Um, so as a co contrast to that, we want to do something really bright and breezy and something that cheered people up, you know, something, you know, happy. Yeah, you, know? you can't get more feel-good than this track. And, and that is, I think, when you've sh uh, shone the brightest, isn't it, when you were putting a smile on people's faces. From yeah. There's just so much in the back catalogue. Even yeah, the likes of Deepy Dippy and all the songs that we still get played on the radio now because they are true classics. And I think... It, it is just the under, underlying feel good factor that, that is right, said Fred. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we just, um, I don't know what it is. We just, I think we do it initially, I think, probably to cheer ourselves up, yes. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're, we're not innately happy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not miserable, but we're just, we're just kind of, we're prone to, prone, prone to, uh, depression. Prone to depression a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know? So we do it partly to, to uh, cheer ourselves up. And, um, and we're very, we tend to write, when we don't think about it, we tend to write gloomily yes right we tend to we tend to write in a very sort of minor third kind of way and we consciously have to pull ourselves out of that and, and we have to think um we have to think in terms of how if i'm if i'm sitting on the sofa and i'm listening to music and it makes me miserable i turn it off mm -hmm. i want stuff that makes 
I want stuff that makes that makes me feel good. And yeah. I'm very so you're not a fan of Radiohead then, or anything like that. You really are no. much more of a beaten path. No, I mean I, I love listening to um, some of the Dublin recordings with uh, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic. Records. You know, it's just it's so when you hear the um, "Pay Me My Money," um, "Pay Me My Money Down," and the whole crowd are, are singing the chorus, it is just you know. It's so life affirming, mm-hmm. um, and there's a version of uh, very very quickly. There's a version of Heroes, played by King Crimson, uh, which was delivered in Ber- in Berlin. You know, I, you know when the wall came down. Yeah, and it is just it's 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 life affirming. It's it's really watching that wall come down, the people walking through the gap. And, <coughs> you know, it's it's that's that's what it's for me. That's what it's what it's about, really. But I mean, when it comes down to that, I mean, you guys, under normal circumstances, are travelling the globe. You've got such a huge fan base across the world. Hits in more than 70 countries when it came down to the earliest of hitting number one. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this has just sort of left you in the hearts of many a nation. Yeah, we, we, we don't travel. <laughs> We're not travelling at the moment. We no. walk to the local restaurant <laughs> and go in the back door. Um, um, but that's about it. We, yeah, we, we go for takeaways and stuff yeah. but, um, and do what we're allowed. But uh, yeah, we would normally be on the road at the moment. Uh, where, where are we now? It's uh, January. No, no, no March, March. March. Yeah, we should be on the road. We had some. Um, we had some run. A uh, run in March. Uh, well, go back to 2020. That's now. Everything's now too for us. Most of the stuff's already moved to 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> and um, we would have been somewhere. Um, and I think we normally do like a summer run as well, sort of May to September, sort of thing, like lots mm-hmm. of bands do the festivals. And that's all going to be on hold. Pretty much, I would think. I know some people, I've got this June 21st thing. Um, I think a lot of festivals, they, they might try it and I hope they succeed, but I think it's going to be very difficult. Well, the, the, talk, the government are talking about underwriting the insurance now on some of these big festivals. If they did that... That I, would, in, the, in terms of the UK, that would definitely help. Yes, it yeah. would, yeah. yeah well, we've been talking to insurance because we, we have to have public liability. Yeah. And um, the um, no insurance will cover you at the moment for covid uh, because um, it's too unknown and everyone's very nervous about this, you know, someone sneezes backstage and everything gets shut down. <laughs> everything gets shut down. You know, <laughs> so you, you, can't, you can't work under those circumstances. No. So um, if the government did that, although I think this government, I don't want to get political, but I think there'd been a, an absolute embarrassment. Absolute shower. 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 Bloody shower. Bloody shower. <laughs> but if they did that, then, 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 then good on them, because it's about time they helped out the arts and the, and the, yeah. and the live entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the travelling issue, gigging abroad, is going to be the next. I think that's a big issue. That's a yeah. huge issue with, with the, the elevated costs. Now, yeah, yeah. Know, it um, is, yeah. But the, the world does want you back. And uh, I, I suppose as well, you get, I mean, do you get to share quite a, a range of music when you go? And do you enjoy touring an album or do you like playing the, the stuff which has sort of inspired generations now? I, I love the old stuff. Yeah, we, 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 we tend to yeah. do, we tend to mix it up a lot. So what we do is um, we tend to uh, play all, all the stuff people know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And on top of that, we will add songs that we like and we will add songs that we know are popular with people. And so occasionally we'll do a cover. We might do like a segue. We do a Bad Touch by uh, by um, Bloodhound Gang. Yeah. And, and he said Hound Dog. Yeah, by Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> and we do uh, Feel So Close by uh, Calvin Harris. Yeah. So we do that and we use those as segues. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I know lots of bands have different opinions about this, but if I go and see Depeche Mode, I want to hear Enjoy the Silence. If I go and see... Um, uh, if I went to see the Stones, I want to hear "Start Me Up" and you know, well, sugar if, or yeah, exactly. I mean, their catalogue is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think it's personally, I think the band should should play that should play the songs that got them there in the first place. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's our personal opinion. Yeah, but, a friend, a guy that we used to work with, what he point he said, which I think is true, is when you have a hit song, the song that no longer just belongs to you. Mm-hmm sort of belongs to everybody so you owe it to the audience to perform it so when you hear stories of artists not touching some of their biggest hits because of they're fed up with it or whatever i kind of disapprove of that really mm. i think you mm. should because the song knows mm. people that bought it yeah well you're still taking your top off i'm sure every time you sing i'm too sexy that's pretty much yeah, guaranteed not so much now <laughs> no, I do my trousers off when i'm when i'm doing the housework <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. However, we are going to love uh, the your inner light is love, and it is the brand new single. Uh, give us all the socials for those who haven't spotted how to find you. Right, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Facebook uh, forward slash right said Fred dot uh, Fred. Our website is right said Fred dot com, and on Twitter we're at the Freds. 
in Instagram, right? So Fred official. That that'll do the job. But I mean, fun from from you whenever you are out there doing stuff on all of those channels. The music is, of course, what we live for. Your inner light of love is a fantastic song, and so the video that goes with it, absolutely awesome as well. Right, said Fred, Richard, and Fred Fairbrush. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Cheers, Bye. Thank The Greatest Show is an entertainment experience like no other, a fantastic piece of work. I'm joined now by three of the creators behind it. We've got Max, Emma and Amy. Hello to you all. Hello. So who's going to go first and tell me a little bit about the show itself? I'll go. Yeah, so um, so The Greatest Show, um, actually, it, it all began um, a couple of years ago. It was a... Um, 
it was initially like an arena, a, 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 an arena tour. So we went to um, venues like Newcastle, Leeds, um, Belfast, um, and we managed to get some rights from Disney um, to to perform a number of songs by them and The Greatest Showman, and um, so it's it's a it's a show for kind of all the family. Um, and there isn't that many of them going around at the moment. It's kind of takes variety to the next level, doesn't it? And I know that so you say you've got an amazing team that work on, on all of these parts of it. Emma, tell us a bit about what you do. Uh, I'm a singer for the uh, in the show, so I do some singing and a bit of dancing as well. Um, it's a huge cast, so the, there are maybe four or five singers at one time, uh, male and female, so, yeah, it's, it's really good fun. And it is about bringing a true live musical experience to, to an audience that probably hasn't seen anything on this scale before. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's massive. It's such a big cast. You've got people that do all sorts of things, fire-breathing, aerial, silks, hoop. It just, it's such um, a visual show, and it just looks amazing. And Amy, bringing all this together must be an amazing thing to do. How do you, you fit in that with the part of the team? Yeah, so I'm one of the dancers in the group. Um, there's four female dancers. Um, we have a range of other dancers. We have hip hoppers as well. Um, we have male dancers. So there's a bit of something for everyone. Um, don't matter what kind of dancing you like, there's, everything's covered. And with what you're doing on stage like this, it's all about the look and the costumes as well. And, and no expense has been spared, has it? No, no, we've just got a load of new costumes, which is amazing. There's lots of sparkle and feathers, so that all adds to the visuals as well. Let, let's just let's just um, go in a, a little bit there. Amy actually has made a load of our costumes, <laughs> like herself, like during lockdown. She's been at home, like, sequining, like, lots of different things. Yeah. Like, she's done amazing. <laughs> yeah, over 2,000 individual rhinestones I've probably put on the costumes over the last couple of weeks. And yeah. without this glitz and glamour, I mean, what it, it, it's just not the same. And you guys really, really know how to put this into a show. And once you're able to get back up and touring, that will be absolutely amazing. But you've done some video work recently as well, and it must be nice to be able to get involved and, and keep that spirit alive, Max. Exactly. It's it's been it's been really tough over lockdown. There's been very little work. We've done a we did a driving tour. Um, we did the greatest show there as part of that, which was which was fun. But we got contacted by a client um, to distribute this show to like an international audience. So I think it's going all over Europe, um, and I think it's going to Australia as well. So so yeah, it's the first time we've actually managed to kind of have a vis uh, like a this this new this new way of life at the moment it's you know we're doing it like a video instead of having it in front of an audience so it was it was a little bit strange doing it and not getting an applause at the end <laughs> um when we were filming but but it was uh it was really interesting there was um it was pretty big filming set we had a, it was a massive red and white like big top that they'd simulated and then um lots of different cameras so we did have to kind of adapt and change to to, to fit this 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 video style yeah and so that's probably why it's not been filmed before because it is such a big show you do need a, a large studio setup to do it uh being great with an audience so unfortunately it couldn't be at the moment but that isn't going to take away anything from any of the performances uh, and when it comes down to the songs i mean it's uh, a show which is very you know, family orientated entertainment orientated and it must be getting that feedback that normally drives the performances even harder oh yeah definitely um, I mean, we've had this. This show has changed a lot from when we first started, and it's only down to the feedback that we've got from customers that we've adapted and changed to to, to meet more people's um, what what more people want. So, so it is changing. It is evolving um, in in a positive way. Um, it's it's really come on from when we first started to where we are now. Is just a it's just crazy. But it means you can go and see it twice as well, because as you say, you are you were evolving it and changing things around. Uh, you'll see more. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, uh, Amy, you end up doing new dance numbers and things change there. Oh, yeah, we do new ones all the time, and we adapt the ones that we've got. Um, just even for the venue, sometimes we have to adapt it a little bit. Um, but everyone's brilliant. Everyone picks it up, and the, sh the show's brilliant every time. Uh, and Emma, the sort of songs you're singing, they're hairs on the back of the neck moment, aren't they? And it must be great delivering that to an audience who are probably just sat there completely in awe. Yeah, it's great. You can do um, the heartbreak songs, and you can really touch an audience, and then you can do something really upbeat and really just get them off on the feet and ready for a, a party. So, fingers crossed, things will be back to relatively normal soon. Obviously, Max, I know you guys are going to be putting more rehearsals together to get everybody in with the, the new costumes and everything as you head into uh, what will hopefully be a, a good late summer season for 2021. That's the plan, obviously. Everything's still up in the air at the moment. There's, there's, there is a reckoning that we are going to be opening up in June, fingers crossed. 
Um, and then we could look to do something later down on the year. But I, I think really it's scoping things out and making sure it's the right time for for us as a brand to be able to kind of release a show where we're going to have a lot of people together at one time. So we've just got to be just got to be careful and make sure that it's the right moment for us as it is for for the for the wider public. Yeah, because I mean, you need that audience. I mean, that, as you say, is what drives it. This is an audience-led show. It is about entertaining. It's about bringing them the greatest show, and they have to be part of that. And as I say, a great audience really makes it all come to life. It does. It does. Everyone's got to be, you know. The, the, there's got to be togetherness um and it's been two years that we've not been able to do that so so um as soon as as soon as we are allowed to do that then you know we'll we'll go out with a bang and um hopefully see a lot of a lot of people up and down the country well we'll look forward to being able to visit you somewhere on the road meanwhile where do we go to keep up with everything that you're doing on the socials Yep, so if you um, like our parent page, it's Universal Ents. Um, we put a lot of information um, on there. And also The Greatest Show um, is an information page um, just about the specific show. But we do a, right, uh, uh, a lot of different um, a lot of different shows and a lot of things are going on at the moment. So, so yeah, head to our socials and, and check out what we're doing. I'll check that out. You can see these guys performing, singing little clips on there and some great photos uh, extending what you've already seen on the uh, the show that they've been recording of late. But it's always good to catch up with truly talented performers and I know that's exactly what we have here. It's going to be a joy to see you, hopefully very soon in 2021. For now, Emma, Amy and Max, thank you for joining us. Thank Thanks, you. Jason. Thank you very much. Pamela Man has a brand new single, I Want Your Soul. It's quirky, it's wonderful, and I'm sure that's how we can describe Pamela as well, who joins me now for a chat. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, and thank you for joining me, because uh, I, I record these interviews at all sorts of funny times of day for me, and it's an even stranger one for you, because you're in New York and it's half past four in the morning at the minute. Yeah, it is, and I, I have to confess, I'm not really much of a morning person. <laughs> well, let's just class this as last night still for you, and we'll be fine. So give us a bit of background to you and your music, because you have been rocking the New York scene for a little while now. A little bit, yeah. I went to um, music college uh, in Boston at Berkeley College of Music, and uh, then I, I flew down south and had a crazy band, and then I realised that I probably should go back north um, and, um, you know, make my way to New York. and. Uh, just started, you know, I realized that my stuff was just so uh, unique, mm -hmm. <laughs> let's say, that um, I wanted to just, you know, and I got great advice from people I really admire this. They just keep doing what you're doing and developing, grow it. Don't try and change. Don't try and be a side person and make money, you know, doing this because uh, it'll take away from your, you know, your artistry. You need to find yourself as an artist to find your voice. So it was yeah. really great advice, very sage advice. So I took that advice. I remained poor and, <laughs> um, you know, I moved from Boston to New York City and, uh, you know, went to open mics on my piano, uh, you know, took my little keyboard piano or, or played whatever they had, tune or out of tune, didn't matter. And, um, you know, was part of this fantastic New York scene um, I feel like I came a little bit late. Uh, like there was there was Shanae and Jeff Buckley and all this really amazing stuff going on in New York City in the in the nineties. And uh, it kind of came at the tail end of of all of that. But there's you know Nora Jones. There's so much really great music and great studios. And there were still really you know great studios up and running mm -hmm. then. So I mean, just got to meet and work with all these fantastic people, all my mentors, and uh, just kept doing the weird little quirky, strange kind of music that was coming out of me and here I sit with well, you. Well I, well, I absolutely adore the sound, and uh, I think the, the visuals that run along with the uh, the new video are amazing too. And and this again, it, it is as you say, it's the art that has to come first. Uh, it may mean that uh, you end up where we are not getting the financial recompense that you you deserve uh, initially. But it's when you are discovered, and it then becomes big that you you know you can then hope for uh, uh, for the for the houseboat and stuff. But uh, you know, with uh, the the way things work in the US, I mean in, in the UK. We've got the, the the Birmingham scene, the Wolverhampton scene. Uh, we've got musicians from the likes of Manchester and Liverpool that you know that, that have done the thing. There are like regions within music, and do you find that within a state itself in the US, or do you find that say you were talking about the New York and Boston scene, uh, is, it, is it very much one city defines a state or otherwise? I think there was a time when it was really strongly that you know you might have Chicago, you might have you know um, 
Boston, you know, you might you might have California. There's still a bit of a sound regionally, but you know, you've the real strong divide would be uh, no pun intended would be really like the South, you know, the Southern Sound or Nashville, and mm-hmm. you know, that more sort of country uh, sound. Or then you know, you've got the the East, the East Coast. Um, you know, so it, uh, maybe maybe it's not quite as different, which is funny because you know Britain's a lot smaller than the states. But there, I, I think maybe people just eventually move to these big cities, and there's a you know homogenous thing that kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then and then you know indie, it's just I don't even know what the indie scene is in the states now. It's it's, it's I suppose it is waiting to see what's going to happen next musically and particularly what's coming out of the current situation and with people working in different ways as well. And, and has, has your work sort of changed its, its form and shape because of the, the current pandemic? Not really. I mean, because I think some of us just always work in an isolated bubble, whether things mm-hmm. are going on normally, whether there's a recession, whether things are good, you know, it's, we're, we're in our own little cave creating. And I, I suppose it's all a statement about what's around us. I was actually just having a, a conversation with, with like a, a dear friend, really, really talented drummer called Sterling Campbell. And he was just talking about, you know, he feels like the time is right. It's right for something massive and global to come out musically, to really kind of be a statement of, of what the hell's been going on. You know, um, you know, we've, we've had our, our Bowie and we've, you know, we've had, we've had a, a Radiohead and, um, you know, I, I'm really curious to see what's next, you know. Well, I personally think it could be your sound hitting that uh, pandemic market, as it were, and uh, and really becoming rather infectious because it is just such a, an edge to what you've done here. And I, I've heard the current single. I haven't heard enough of the back catalogue. So uh, we've got, from what you're saying, nearly three decades worth of material I've got to catch up on here. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, well, this one definitely, um, this album break was... Uh, was self-produced and so it's a departure because it was less less guitar i happened to be married to a, a, a an amazing guitarist um but this time I, I i said you know i'm gonna do it on my own and he said great <laughs> <laughs> so um so i produced it and and um it's really kind of a combination of a lot of little toy instruments i have a toy instrument a friend gave me and then but with the classical instruments in juxtaposition so you've got an upright bass and you've got you know acoustic piano and you've got you know, uh, some drum kit, but but you've just got those two worlds, and then and then the lyrics, which are just I don't even know how to quantify them. They're just very much me. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the work that you're doing, with everything that's going on, what happens next? Because you say you got the, we have an album which is about to emerge. Is that is that available now? It's been slowly emerging. It's definitely available. I mean, I. I now have everything available on on Bandcamp, so someone can actually you know purchase anything through me. But um, this album break has been uh, released um, in the UK through uh, through Maniac Squad, which uh, Tom Wilcox owns as the label. He's fantastic. He's just a tastemaker, and he's totally punk rock. He's fantastic. He's a god. Um, so the the music is coming through there. We just did a we did a tour uh, several months before uh, lockdown happened, and we went through through England and it was fantastic. And I'm just hoping that when it's safe to come out and play again, then we'll go and we'll do more shows. Um, I played with a Richard Strange and a lot of the musicians from Iggy Pop's band and, and, and Terry Edwards and Paul Cutterford and some really, really fantastic people. Uh, so, you know, just keep doing it. I think I'll be releasing a lot of little singles and uh, see where it goes. Already it's starting to kind of do this and, and it's, it feels good, I have to say. Oh, everything deserves to be on the up, and uh, it, 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 it's great to hear the music. So, what else would you give us behind the current song? What what, what background? Well, you know, in the in the um, in many different traditions, there's a there's a concept of a twin soul theory. If we're getting philosophical, um, <laughs> and uh, I think it's a bit of a tongue in cheek. It might sound kind of creepy to people, but if it, but the truth is, it's really a very sweet plea from one half of a soul to another half of a soul to meet and ascend. Um, So it's kind of a love song in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will take a listen to that. Meanwhile, give us all the details on the socials, first of all, please. Okay, you can find me. um, It's Pamela Suman, and you can find me on Bandcamp. I'm on Facebook. uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Vimeo. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify. Please go on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) And um, SoundCloud. 
Everywhere. Basically, you can find Pamela Zuman absolutely everywhere. I Want Your Soul is a single. Pamela, thank you for joining us and keep up the very, very good work. Thank you so much, sir. It was great hanging with you. his fingers in many pies not only can you catch him on Rupi Lal primetime regularly but also he's part of Cucumber Writers as well and joins me now it's Tommy Moore hello sir how you doing Jason I'm good you all right yeah I'm all right man not too bad at all thanks good so the last time we had a catch-up was when we had the uh, end of year quiz at the back end yep. of 2020 a year we're quite glad to see the back of and uh, you've been doing absolutely shed loads of stuff though whether it be online or some of your uh, more real life things when time's allowed over the summer of 2020 and you're yeah. always a busy boy try to be I try to be I've got obviously we've all had a, a lot of time on our hands so uh been just trying to keep myself busy um really and uh yeah, as you said, I've got my fingers in a lot of pies, so just trying to explore different avenues and trying to stay creative. Absolutely. And uh, with the, the Leadmouth going into schools on a regular basis, so we can only assume that that will recommence fairly quickly as we uh, find ourselves the schools reopening in March. Once you are able to get in there, you'll be making a massive difference in people's education. But allowing people online to get to grips with writing is intriguing too. So tell us a bit about Cucumber Writers. Yeah, Cucumber Writers, it's, it's a writing group that uh, formed uh, back in 2013. Uh, we all met, it was a group of about 10 to 11 writers 
and we went on a course at the Birmingham Rep Theatre called Right Away. So it was 10 weeks of getting tutored, going through different uh, kind of classes, different types of writing. Um, but we really enjoyed our company. Uh, we, 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 we really enjoyed being with each other. And, and this collaborative writing was, was something that we, even though the course had finished, we really wanted to explore. So we stayed together. We started meeting every month and thinking to ourselves, well, can we put on shows ourselves? Um, and the shows that we have done have been rehearsed readings. So you have actors that get maybe during the day to rehearse, but they perform with the script in hand. And again, audience scene, because I think what we found over the years is that as much as you think your writing is good, as much as everybody else gets, you know, they give you their feedback on the writing. It's the audience that let you know, really, whether the writing's working or not for mm -hmm. you and for, for, the, for the actors as well. So we've done since 2013, when we started doing our own performances around Birmingham, um, we've done about 10 shows, I think now, mm -hmm. about 10 shows. And, and the great thing for, for myself as a writer and as an actor, I've been able to perform in the plays that I've written, which is, to me, is a dream because it, like, it's a bit silly, but I remember um, when I first found out about the Rocky film mm. and how Sylvester Stallone, he wrote Rocky, but he wouldn't let anyone produce it unless they put him in it as Rocky. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's something that's, I've always kept that with me. So it's something that I've always wanted to do, really, have something which is written by your hand, but you're in it as well. Well, you know that character better than absolutely anybody, which is uh, a good starting point. And you get the motivation behind how the story's due to be told. And that's what I suppose as well, with I mean, the work that you've done, I mean, you've done TV and all sorts of things, putting other people's words and, and bringing them, them to life. It's, it, it is nice to have that control over that character. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, but as I said, you, 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 it's, when you have the audience in front of you, um, things can happen instinctively. Like, I think um, I was performing um, a play that I was written called uh, Baji, which means brother in Punjabi. And it's a, it's, it's a great story of what I find anyway, and I've had good responses from people that read it, um, about two brothers, Sikh brothers, who are, who are locked in purgatory, and they're seeking forgiveness to find a way out. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was performing it in front of an audience, um, the emotions started to come and tears, and I never planned it to happen, obviously, but um, but just I don't know. You get something for it's, it. I know it's a bit corny, but they do say it's magic theatre when you've got the audience there in front of you and you're performing. So yeah, it, it is it is great when you've got that audience there. And and that's what separates good actors from those who are, are sometimes names that sell shows as well. I'm not doing anybody down, but you do find that on occasion is those actors that you don't know. I mean, I if if I don't recognise an actor, but I've seen them in loads of things. Actually, they're a great actor. It's where sometimes they stand out more. I'm not. I'm, I'm tempted to say Tom Cruise. He's always Tom Cruise, isn't he? <laughs> uh, you know that, that yeah. sort of. And and th there is a place for that absolutely. And the stuff that he does is amazing. And I'd, I'd yeah, I'd love to meet the fellow and congratulate him for his work. But you know. It, it is a, a different sort of acting uh, to the sort of dramas and telling a tale as opposed to being a big screen adventure. Yeah, I mean, it, we're all storytellers at the end of the day, and it's um, and it is it is different. But I mean, but performing on stage to performing on radio, performing in front of the screen, there are differences. And I think my training was was great at Rose Bruford. Uh, drama school in Sidcup in Kent because mm -hmm. it really prepared you in a sense for those different ways but at the same time you, you learn so much on the job you really do I mean uh, I mean we've spoken before about my episode of Brum <laughs> how um, can you not I mean, it's got to be brought up at some point because it, it's still yeah, on it telly to today <laughs> but I remember just having like you know like the, the little chairs with your name on the back mm -hmm. like that I just I was like I was like 18 years old just putting my Yes, yeah, probably my first proper TV job, and I just, I just was like, wow, and having the catering service there and stuff, and it was just amazing. So, uh, so yeah, you do learn a lot on the job. Yeah, and that, that's the sort of thing that makes a difference, and it helps people grow into the roles that they have. And we see so many great TV uh, actors. Uh, and there is a difference between stage TV and all the other you know, sources of, of entertainment that we bring acting to life. And as I know, you've worked in many of them, so you, you, you get the differences between all of those. And when you come back to the writing as well, I think sometimes you need to put it in front of an audience to have the confidence in what you've written, and you need others to be able to tell you how good something is because uh, you, you, you blow your own trumpet to a point, but actually I, I know that you're a very humble man and you'll be doing everything you can to, to make something right and we'll you know, seek the... Uh, 
the, the acceptance of others when it comes to something you've written rather than just going, look, this is the way it must be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, over the last year, what I've been doing is I've sent um, kind of my ideas to a few people and I've had a few responses as well. Um, and it is, it is that as much as you might believe in something, you, you, you do need other people to give you their feedback. And you need to be, as you said, humble enough to take that on board um, and not just think what you've written is, is, you know, this is it, it's the best. Because you, you have to take on people's ideas from other people and, and it will help you as well. And I think that's the great thing about, about the collaborative that is Cucumber Writers, that we do have these monthly meetings where we share our work, uh, we read it out loud, we, we get that feedback and it does really, really help. And, and all the writers, um, they're just, they're just really, we're really not, it sounds a bit like Big Eddie, but we're really nice to each other. Which is great. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, if we think something isn't working, we will let each other know. Well, where do we find, first of all, Cucumber Writers and uh, a series of work that you're sharing online with you being the first to, to talk on this? Yeah, so we've got a, a blog series um, that started with, with my own that came out on Thursday. Uh, so Cucumber Writers, if you find us, uh, the website is cucumberwriters.wordpress.com. Mm -hmm. So that's our main source, that's our website. Uh, we're on Facebook, if you just search for Cucumber Writers. And we're on Twitter at Cucumber Tweets. Check uh, all three; you'll find uh, you'll find the blog series. You'll find that there, and you can check all that out. Uh, Rupi Lal, just search for for Rupi, and you will find him on a number of different platforms. Check it out at his IMDb; that is worth a read too. Um, <laughs> and uh, if we want to be a fancy bit of prime time, Rupi Lal, that is online on Friday nights. It is, yeah. I've, I've put a hiatus on it at the moment, so I'm doing it uh, occasionally. I did a stint, I think, uh, during the second lockdown. Um, hopefully the third lockdown will be finishing soon, which obviously we've been told about. So it, it's come in there again. But if you want to catch any of the shows, uh, the Christmas show is on uh, YouTube. If you search for my name, Rupi Lau, you'll be able to find uh, the Primetime Christmas show. Rupi, always a treat to speak to you. Thank you again for joining us. Keep up the good work and have some great fun with Cucumber Writers. Thanks so much. Thank you. Zimbabwe-born, but currently living in the UK. Jerome Arrow has some amazing music, and he joins me now to tell me more about his work. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you doing there? I'm very Good? well, and uh, we find you in the UK at the minute, but uh, you, you have been a bit of a globetrotter in the past. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, spend a lot of time um, in Africa, but I also travel quite a lot in the UK in itself. <laughs> so is this with work, or is it uh, family-based? How, how does your life revolve around different things? Well, it is, a lot of the time it is work. I mean, right now I travel um, between Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Botswana, um, Namibia, as well as Ghana, just recording most of the time, meeting new acts, you know, and working with different people. Well, tell us a little bit about your musical background then. Musical background, I started singing on stage at the age of about, I'd say, eight years old. Mm -hmm. I was singing on stages. I opened for a group called the Rusiki Brothers in, um, this was basically Zimbabwe. So they were quite a big band. They were my uncles um, and they brought me in and I used to open for them singing Michael Jackson covers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then from there, that grew into love with Stevie Wonder. And I would perform at lots of people's weddings. And then at the age of like 11, I started a songwrite. And then that gradually um, led into me becoming an artist at the age of 17 and recording and pretty much trying to put that together from there onwards. Well, I mean, I'm loving what you're doing at the moment. You've sent me through uh, your single and video, and we're going to take a listen to that in a short while's time. But you, your music is, is in several different genres as well. So what are you currently classing yourself as? It's I'm venturing into a new genre of music called um, Afrotone. It's basically Afrofusion is where I stemmed from, where I would basically merge sounds with Afro. So it would be R&B, but then it would have an Afro element. It would be pop, but with an Afro element. It would be hip hop, but with an Afro, like African element. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, OK, uh, um, I'm quite liking a, a certain sound where it hasn't, I don't feel like it's been created yet. So Afrotone is what I'm calling the sound and I'm venturing into that. But we're not just talking music. We've got, uh, what, a rap in there in, in, in some ways, but it's, it's, it's more than just uh, yeah, standard rap, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's melodic rapping. Um, it's simply taking after the likes of 
if you listen, if you're a hip hop head, then you've probably heard people like T Pain. Even Drake actually does a lot of that type of rap, that melodic mm-hmm. rap. Um, which kind of, if you ask me, it is pretty much the pop. It's pop music now. Yeah, but it's like now as a Tupac as well. I mean, that sort of area isn't yeah. that far from what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were to take, funny enough, you're going back to to, to that. I I listen to a lot of um, Biggie. Um, mm-hmm. Because I just I, I like his his swagger. I think like for what it is, he's probably like one of the the biggest rappers in terms of his vocal ability and his flow and stuff. Like I I I pretty much praise the ground he walks on there. But yeah, Tupac and them same thing. That melodic thing that you add, that element that you add to your to your to your vocal, it helps make it a little bit easier for people to sing along to. Mm-hmm. So that's why I call it pop. Well, with the uh, the work that you've done on this current release, uh, you've got uh, a video that runs alongside it. So tell us a bit about the background to that as well, because that is part of telling the story. Yeah, so original um, was off my debut album. That's why I sent it your way. And it was something that was really close to my heart. Um, it's a video we shot in Lusaka, Zambia, in the compound. Um, a lot of the kids in this compound are told that they'll never ever be more than just a worker or whatever it is. Um, and I, when I when I kind of touched base with them, the group that they're part of, I was trying to find out more what they wanted to do. And a lot of them were like, I want to be an artist. I want to be the person on TV. So I basically came up with a budget, went all the way back, spoke to their parents asked their parents if they could sign release forms so that their kids could actually appear in the video. And I said they'd be the stars of the show. Um, and the message to them there was, you're not as far as you think you are, you know, like just keep on believing in your dreams and hopefully one day you you will definitely be the person on TV. And there they were watching themselves on TV a few <laughs> weeks later. For, for me, though, I mean, we are woefully underserved by music from the African continent in the UK. And, and that doesn't make any sense with the influences that we have, with the good and the bad sides of the Commonwealth that's been part of uh, you know, the, the UK's and, and a lot of Africa's history. So, you know, why do you think we're not getting more that is specifically from Africa? The UK is it's a little bit like America right now in terms of self like it it, it focuses on anything that is inside it doesn't really look at external so even for myself if i wasn't coming back and forth the the chances of me engaging this network or even being involved in it is slim like it's next to nothing and i had the conversation at bbc introducing um two years ago where i said the representation that we have of africa is people that are born here raised here making music from here, they come back to the continent, record, and then come back here. Mm-hmm. I was like, you don't have anyone that's first generation, and if you do, it's like five people, and that's it. Then the rest is all like they're born out here making music out here, and just come and collect and come back. I was like, there's no crossover. So I don't know. I think it's just it's that thing of, well, Africa needs to set up their system, besides what's going on in the UK, where we are actually registering tracks and also pitching and, you know, and, and trying to create that network. Well, Spotify gives us much more of a global market. Your music, I know, is on there. Where else can we find out what you're doing and here? What is a huge back catalogue of work? <laughs> um, you could anywhere, pretty much. Um, I mean, I distribute, and I, I like to give these notes, I distribute with DistroKid. So if you're an artist and you're looking at um, distributing music, I would definitely go and check out DistroKid. It's $40. Um, dollars. For, for you to just distribute unlimited amount of, of, of material here. Mm-hmm. So I'm on all the major platforms. So feel free to just Google Jerome Arab and my whole like catalog will pop up. If you're on Apple Music, you know, Deezer, Tidal, you name it. And if you had to sum yourself up in two sentences well, that you have, they can, you can have commas, but uh, how would you do it? I mean, what, would you, what would you say? Um, well I'll just say um, I'm an artist that's the the easiest way to put it I'd say I'm an artist I I, I'm passionate about the arts and I love to create 
Well, you're certainly a very talented artist. We'll prove that now by listening to original. There is so much more besides that you can listen to. This is so accessible and uh, I think bringing a, a, a genre of music to, to life, which it, you're making up as you go along in some ways, which I absolutely adore. Jerome Arab, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. If I ain't right for you We have another talk from LGBT plus Sparkle. Paul Ryder joins me now to tell me what they've got going on this week. Hello. Hello, Jason. We've got the lovely Amy. Um, she will be talking around the myths around fostering in the LGBT community. Amy, good day to you too. And uh, tell us a bit about yourself, first of all, and your job title so we know what you're up to. My name's Amy Fahure. Um, I work for a national fostering group. Um, under the name Child Care Bureau um, and my role is to help and support those who are initially interested in wanting to pursue um, a role and career as a foster carer with us. I got in touch with Paul recently and um, I told about my plans to raise awareness within the LGBT community around fostering, um, ensuring those within the community are aware that they can foster and what the requirements and the, and the process would be if they would like to start the process with us and Paul recently invited me to talk in his support group next Thursday to to the community to the group about fostering and raising awareness and kind of crushing those myths around fostering that do exist at the moment mm -hmm. yeah because uh, for fostering you need a caring loving home uh, any background uh, yeah. gender sexuality and uh, yeah, ethnic ethnicity have no bearing at all on this yeah nothing it's all about if that foster carer can provide a safe and loving environment um it's one of our mottos at our agency that regardless of that person's background, sexuality, um, ethnicity, that they are welcome to foster. We have children from all sorts of backgrounds needing a foster home, so we need those carers too. Um, and we do support that our agency. We are partners with the New Family Social as well, who offer support and advice to families who are within the LGBT community. And it's important, you know, for me to spread awareness of that. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why me and Paul connected, um, because we feel it's so important um, to make sure that everyone's the same. Everyone has the same opportunities mm -hmm. 
to foster and to be involved in helping saving a child's life, essentially. Mm, yeah, you're basically helping them to form uh, relationships and uh, be part of a yeah. family uh, to allow them to, to grow and expand and learn and, and really be the ones who facilitate that. And being outside of the, the state care system can make such a difference to the way in which they interact. They're not in uh, an environment which uh, is non-standard and uh, that, that's the thing it, 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 they get to live in a in a family home and, and that's such an important part of a, a child's life growing up it is, yeah it's stability normality mm -hmm. um it's waking up in the morning to have your breakfast to go to school to have dinner on the table at five o'clock after school it's those small things that a lot of our children are missing out of um because we are uh, we are a lack of kept foster carers we don't have enough our foster carers to offer these you know these loving homes to these children um so it's really important that we do make awareness um around this issue um you know in all walks of life mm -hmm. now fostering obviously is different to adoption you're not looking at making somebody uh, you, you, the, the legal guardian they are a foster carer they look after them for a period of time it could be a particularly long period of time but they're really there for those moments in their life when they need somebody yeah and for those small moments you know that foster carer is changing that child's life even if it's only for a month or three months or six months that foster carer is responsible for putting a smile on that child or young person's face um, just giving them that kind of new start in life to to know that the world is their oyster. They've mm -hmm. got so much potential. Um, so it's a very rewarding role. Um, it's difficult. We will say that, um, but it's very rewarding and, and so and so needed and so needed. Because a foster carer can actually make it possible for someone to realise they can go back into uh, at home. They, they, they may have had a bad environment as a kid. There are all sorts of ages here, but they could have learned that actually a normal home life in a house might not seem to be the right thing for them because of the situation they've been in. Foster carers can change that and give that security and sense of, of belonging again. Yeah, exactly. You're completely right there, Jason. It's, you know, it's the, it's the right thing. It's, it's given them a second chance in life again to, to, to have stability, to have a family. Um, and to have somewhere they can call home and feel mm -hmm. safe. Um, Paul, when you're doing these talks within the group, obviously you're, you're talking to a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Does this one particularly hit home with you? Not me personally, but like um, Amy said, I think we need to break down them barriers and the myths in the LGBT community about fostering. Um, not home to me, but I think it might have hit home to a lot of people out there, and I thought it would be really interesting to connect with Amy. Yeah, and then, Amy, when it comes down to you know, the sort of process here, there is training, there's, there's care, there's assistance, and there's a phone line 24-7. Yeah, we offer 24-7 support to all our foster families, including training to help manage and support the need of a child or young person in your care. Um, you have regular visits and support contact with your social worker um, and a family support worker. So there's a lot of support on hand and ready for our foster families and for those who are wanting to foster as well. We support you from the day one from, from the first day you submit an application and um, the support doesn't stop with us we know it's not a job you can't do completely alone you need those people around you um, to kind of help you through you know through the challenging times as well Mm -hmm. And this is something which can be uh, taken on by people of any age. It could well be somebody's had a family and they've left home. And, uh, you know, however your family background's been in the LGBT plus community, there are, you know, there are many mums, dads uh, out there who uh, are part of that community and, as I say, have already you know, had kids and will have skills to bring. Yep, completely. And the same with the children who do come into our care are from the LGBT community as well. So having carers as well as that, it helps those children to relate, um, to feel a sense of belonging as well. So, you know, it's not just LGBT foster carers we need. We also have children who, who are from the LGBT community already um, and have not had the support from maybe their home life to, to, to learn about the, the community they're in and to be able to feel like themselves. Mm -hmm. And it could be the background on the sexuality which has made their home life difficult in the past and being able to then provide a normal environment where it is just normal because we know it's normal, it's, it's, it's other people's attitudes that are abnormal uh, that uh, you need to, you know, to, to be able to share that love. Yeah, it's all about acceptance, acceptance and for, some, for a child to be who they want to be in, in the care of a foster carer who loves them no matter what. Absolutely. So, Paul, give us all the details of where people can join this full discussion and you can get more details on Thursday. You can find us on Facebook, LGBT Spark of Wolverhampton. Um, our lovely speaker, Amy will, be talking to, Amy, will be talking to our group um, this Thursday 
So make sure you come along, look for the group on Facebook and you'll be able to uh, take part in that group. So open to all, but to the focus on the LGBT plus community. Paul, remind us again what we're searching for for that uh, private group. Um, you can find us on Facebook, LGBT Spark for Wolverhampton. So you can get the details there. But for now, Amy Vure and Paul Ryder, thank you both for joining us. Thanks thank so much. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 611 next week. I hope to have you along for that. See you soon. Turn off for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.